0: welcome to the digital investors podcast with matt and liz rad where we explore how you can invest in the new digital economy with expert interviews proven strategies and stories of success get inspired to grow your portfolio for the future G'day, everyone. It's Matt Raad here, CEO and co-founder of eBusiness Institute, where we teach beginners how to earn money online, particularly through buying and selling websites. Now, we love running these interviews series for you guys because they're so inspirational. And as many of us already in our community know, we teach about buying and selling content sites because they're quite passive and don't worry if you don't fully understand what they're about at this point but in this interview i've got a very special guest who's had incredible success in this space and chris and, I, and his name is chris guthrie and not only has had incredible success in content sites buying and selling them himself over the years now, he's a broker with Quiet Light, one of the top brokers there, and he's a specialist in selling content sites in the six and seven figure price range, sometimes into the eight figures. And we're really lucky to have Chris along because he, he can give us some really good insights, not only into what's happening or the benefits of these content sites, but also give you some inspiration, ideas on niches, and more importantly, share with you the kind of money that you can make out of these websites working at home in your Jimmy Jams. So that's pyjamas if you don't know what that means, Chris. But thanks for coming along today. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Matt, thanks again. Very warm welcome. Looking forward to talking.
0: Yeah, it's been great having a chat to you, Chris. I'm really glad we got introduced because we've got a very similar background. I know you started uh, back, you know, over a decade ago, like Liz and I did. But what I, what we'll, so what we'll do, Chris? I, I think as you and I were discussing earlier, let's we'll have a chat. There's a lot to talk about here today. You've got so many inspirational stories and examples that you can share with our community. So you just heard, Chris. Obviously, we teach, you know, people who are exiting their jobs, their corporate roles, typically to buy content sites and build them up. And that's been exactly your journey over the years. But at the moment, in, in the marketplace, you're a specialist in selling some of these bigger content sites. Um, what what? I guess let's start out with, why are they so popular at the moment? And let's have a look at some examples, but what, what's happening in that space uh, at, in this current marketplace?
1: Yeah, there's so many directions uh we could take it. I mean, in yeah. the content space, um part of the reason why some people are interested in them is because the skill set required to run content, it's really but yeah, for most people it's anyone has a skill set. It's a manage uh, either writing content yourself or hiring people to write, um, you know, and then focusing on continuing to create the content that's already been created within that particular niche. And so a lot of cases buyers are are buying because uh, they want buy to the, buy a revenue stream and they don't want to start something from scratch. And the, I could talk about the buyers themselves. It's a huge range of buyers from individuals looking to buy, you know, one site. They're just trying to have a site that they have while they're continuing to work their day job and try and do both things for a little while on up to people that have, you know, their own personal portfolios. And, and then also, you know, funded companies or just companies that have been doing this for so long that they have just tons of money to acquire sites and that acquire, you know, one website every month, type of thing. So it's a huge. There's lots of buyers that that love content, um, just because the, the model lends itself so well to to so many people that can can run those types of sites. I think.
0: And in terms of the the sellers, like, are we able to? I know one of the really exciting stories that you know, and kind of how we're introduced. You found this interesting niche. In selling these content sites, haven't you? Do you want to? Are you able to talk about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I can. I can say that. I had I met met someone that's um, she was looking to sell her food blog, and uh, it was a very sizable site doing over seven figures in in profit. And so we went out to the market, sold it for a great sum, multi seven figure deal. She mm-hmm. very pleased. And what's interesting. I haven't seen this in every community, but at least in the food blog community, they have, you know, private Facebook groups where the larger site owners talk to each other. And so basically she shared my information and then I've since talked to like uh, 25 food bloggers or something and I've sold a bunch of other food blogs uh, (laughs) since then. But yeah, it's, (laughs) it's kind of a weird, random thing. Um, When you're helping to do brokerage work, you end up getting a lot of referrals sometimes in this case, it's kind of head down this, this path of doing a lot of food blog work.
0: And so this is really interesting. As you said, as a broker, this is the sort of thing, you know, you sell day in, day out, and, and you're really good at doing that. With a food blog site, so for anyone who's new listening to this, typically how because do they make money? So I'm sure it's food blog sites, like they're, they're talking about cooking specific kinds of foods. I'm presuming they're quite niche, these sites?
1: Yeah. People will niche down to a particular diet. They'll niche to a specific type of uh, foods. Uh usually a lot of it's kind of based on what type of they also do like you know i'm doing family friendly meals that are inexpensive where i'm doing family friendly yeah. meals that you know take more time to prepare it's there's so many different little sub niches within that broader niche which really can be said for really any content space you know you could have like finance but then someone niches down to some various particular yeah. area within finance like dividends for example dividend stocks um so yeah it's yeah it's the it's it's an interesting space. And the way that, that they make money traditionally is through primarily display advertising. And so a lot of them will use either AdThrive or Mediavine for their network. Yeah, And it's almost pretty much, it's always like one of those two. Um, I've seen that there's, it's not to say which one's better. I think that they're both gonna be great performers, uh, but the space in particular, uh, that is, those two net- networks have really helped to be able to make uh, Publishers, the, the website owners, so much money from being able to run just ads on their site and, and making money that way, and then they'll have you know affiliate marketing. Some will do digital product sales and things like that. But I almost always, at least from the sites I've seen, uh, universally see that uh, the ad driver, media Mediavine earnings, are driving you know more than half of the the website earnings for sure.
0: Okay, so so basically the model is these food bloggers. They presumably they start out at home like you and I did typing away and they create, they're passionate about cooking or, or meals or, you know, paleo diet, whatever, they create a good article, but in terms of they're not selling meals or products, they literally just put content up and then they get ads on there and, and they just make money off basically essentially Google ads. So that's the model when they're starting out you're now selling these food blogs in the you know high six and seven figure range. What do their businesses, what does a food blog look like that's making a million dollars a year? Like, like, is there lots of staff or is it still that same person writing the content themselves? What, what have you observed? Once you get into the, the higher six figures and say a million dollar food blog.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I'd say it, of course, de- depends on each site. Uh, but a lot of times the, The core person behind it is usually still creating uh, most of the content, but then they usually have hired people to help with everything else. So, for example, they're not answering their own emails. They're not answering blog comments unless they really want to have that feedback and try and have that culture connection to their readers. Um, They're not, you know, scheduling posts out for social media. Someone else is doing that. Have mm-hmm. someone else sometimes even taking their photography they're doing the photography of their photos so they'll give them the materials oh, yeah. to go and create the same recipes for all the steps then they'll take the photos for them so yes. there's like a whole um, uh, range of people that will basically help support that core blogger uh, but then also there's ones where it's like hey i'm just managing and i have you know recipe developers they come up with the recipes Then i have people that again yeah. also do the social media and everything else so it really ranges like i sold one site for someone Well, that's what she was doing. She's like, I do about two to three hours a week on the site and it's just high level giving like strategic goals towards what we're trying to do and what content we might create, things like that. And then it's up to them to help kind of get it out there. And then others that have done that where they're more involved with the creation. So it really ranges um, for for the owner.
0: And I guess for you, that's the model that you see, like no matter what content site it is, you mentioned to me before, like finance, whatever, they all pretty much work the same way, don't they? they most roles in it are outsourced once you get into that seven-figure range.
1: Yeah, it's exceptionally rare. Uh, I, know, I know a few content owners where they just create all the content themselves mm. and they do everything themselves and they're making seven figures a year, uh, but those are rare. Um, and usually those people, they've got to the point where they know, like, they could go and hire people yeah. and grow bigger. But there's usually some sort of reason, like, just, hey, look, I just want to keep it simple. Like, how much more money do they really need for making a million plus yeah. a year? You know, it's like, yeah. I'll just do that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, there's definitely a you know, wide range. And then I've met some that are doing, you know, eight figures a year that have, you know, teams of, you know, 20 people type of thing.
0: Yeah, that, that eight figures is getting up there, though, that you would expect to yeah. have a few more employees. Yeah. And, and like that latest one that you were talking to me about, uh, I think it's a really good story so that I think some of our audience members don't realize the scale of this, Chris, and you and I see it all the time. But on the surface, that site that you sold for, what, around 700,000 just recently, a content site. Now, that sounds like a pretty big site and everything. But do you want to talk us behind the owner of that and what was really going on in the background as well?
1: yeah yeah this was another food blog uh helped her sell, but she just bought it from someone else screw it um she bought it for i think around four hundred or so sold it for seven hundred um and some of the numbers are a little bit vague for me but and then she made another few hundred or, or so from the time that she owned it um and so that's like a kind of a flipping type approach. I've done that as well with my own content sites uh, just finding stuff to buy it to sell uh, but you know she sold that one because she had a much larger food blog that she was making more money from. And it was like, Hey, I'm just going to focus on this. And I don't really need to, to deal with this anymore. She just bought it because it was like an opportunity type thing that she thought would be able to, to improve. It, she wasn't actively looking to, to buy something. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, there's, there's so many stories of that. And the thing that's been interesting doing the, the brokerage work with QuietLight is that for years I've been doing these types of all my businesses, content, e-commerce, SaaS, um, and then I would go to conferences and meet people. And I would, you know, make some friends and have, you know, great dinners and, and chat with people. But doing the this type of brokerage work, it's like the number of people I meet is just like dramatically scaled up because I talk to so many people. And it's just shocking how much money some people are making and how large these businesses are that you never think could be that big. Uh, and it's like something you wouldn't really see until you do this. And even and this is after, you know, doing this for like a decade on my own. Yeah. Um, that I still am like surprised that there's even more <laughs> that uh, that I wasn't aware of. So yeah, it's very it's, just crazy.
0: It is crazy. It's very eye-opening, isn't it? When you get out there, I don't think you know. You and I are sitting here chatting, you know, and before we did the interview, talking about some of the deals we see, people wouldn't believe it. The amount of money that you can make in these simple niches, even with just bog-standard content sites. And I mean, that's another story in itself, but it does bring me to what I would like to cover too, is your story. And and we'll come back to, uh, I think, uh, some of the other inspirational deals that you're seeing, but your story itself is very inspirational because you just touched on it then. For the last decade, you've been buying and selling content sites yourself, plus e-commerce and SaaS. But I noticed when I looked into your, your background, Chris, you started out with content sites, but... Can you share with everyone what your actual, where you started when you finished school and like, what was your actual career? Cause it's a super cool career. It's an unusual career choice. Like it's really cool for people to hear about it.
1: Yeah, and I I started way back, um, I don't know, like 13, not even 13, it's like 15, 16, something years ago, I think uh, with just an online forum focused on video games. And yep. so it was just something that I was doing in college at the time, and uh, you know I still like to play video games today. But yeah, you know, I was making a forum that was on an area that I was interested in, I got it up to you know I think like 500 a month in AdSense, and that was covering uh, covering the college rent I was paying at the time. And I thought that's pretty nice. You know, if I could just you know get more traffic, I mean, I thought in a rudimentary way, I was like, oh, if I just get 10 times as much traffic, then I can make you know 5K a month. Yeah. Uh, and so that was kind of the path I started launching other forums to try and, you know, scale up that way. Uh, But ultimately found that affiliate marketing was what allowed me to leave my day job was building out content sites that were targeted more on, on people that were looking for stuff to buy. And so for me, it was Amazon's affiliate program and that's kind of where, where I went.
0: And and Chris, you got to mention your job because it was super cool because you were working for a big corporate, but wait till you hear what Chris did for this big corporate. And are you allowed to say the name of the corporate?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could say I was working um, as a game tester at a game tester at Microsoft. And so <laughs> Microsoft, I think even to this day, they do um, contract game testing. So you go on. And yeah. the only reason why I probably left that well, other than the pay was so low, uh, yeah. I think I told you before my, my weekly pay was uh, you know, I was making less than I think 3000 a month or something like that. It was very, um, yeah. very minimal at the time. And um but yeah, I mean, I, I worked on a couple. I worked on Halo, uh, right? Halo Two Vista, and I worked on um, Age of Empires Three: The Asian Dynasties, which was like an expansion pack for Age of Empires. So if you the agent the Age of Empires game. If you go in there, you look at the credits, you'll see my name in the, as a software tester. Oh, <laughs> man. But uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I, I pretty much, but that time in college where I was building up the forum, that was really what made me think like the moment you make your first dollar online, it's like, oh man, this yeah. is amazing. If I can just do this, then I could maybe do this, you know, full time. And so I only lasted, I mean, I, I worked at Microsoft as a game tester. I went to work in sales for like a year, no, like two years. And then my, my affiliate marketing income had surpassed my day job by then. And I got let go and, and I said, okay, I'm to do this full time. And I've been doing stuff like that ever since. So that was but, you know, so over, I think, over a decade uh, ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's super cool. So I think back over your journey, so you're working for this corporate, you're earning about three, and you said to me you had a big commute, all the stuff that I think a lot of our listeners will be kind of nodding their head, go, yep, know what it's like. Now I know that like that's a far distant memory for you, but to give some context for people listening to this who want to get out of their jobs as well, corporate roles and stuff, in your first year as you were transitioning, what sort of money did you start making online with your online business? And then when did you hit your financial independence goal?
1: Yeah, I'd say that when I was working at my the day job I did in the, in the sales after the game testing, I was making like in the mid five figures um, annually and then the very first year after i got like go from my job i think i cleared like 150 or 180 something like that and so i had more than Wrong. doubled my income in that first year and then since then kind of grew and then i ended up oh, i invested a lot of money that i was making from various businesses into tesla and so that has gone well, up until I'd say November, but now as they say, as of the time we are recording, most stocks have <laughs> hit a bit, but um, yeah. So yeah, I'd say financial independence. I, I don't remember the exact year it came along, but um, I have enough to where I can have a lot of freedom. Part of the reason why I like doing the brokerage work is because uh, it's very um, up to the individual in terms of how much they want to work. Um, I've only closed two deals this year. And so I'm not really working super hard to try and do a ton uh, because I don't necessarily need to do a lot of deals. Um but yeah, so it's it's very flexible and um yeah, it's been a lot of fun over the last several years. It feels and like it's gone by very quick. Well, <laughs> Lots the, of trends and new things and all that. But
0: well then, yeah. this is really cool though, Chris, for our guys to listen so they can see the journey of someone like yourself and hear it firsthand. You know, you're in this corporate role, you quit, and it probably took what one to two years to get to the point where you said you're making 150 000 to 180 thousand US. Um mm-hmm. And since then, I think what the listeners have got to realise, Chris has bought and sold websites, exactly what we teach here, and, and you've been successful, and, you, and some of them I know haven't worked as well, but some of them have gone really well for you. And so in that journey, you've been doing this now for 10 years. I guess what, what sort of sites, when you look back, is there any advice that you can give to someone starting out like what, what do you wish you knew back then or say even in that first two years that you know now that you could offer to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, the niche that you select is pretty important, mm-hmm. but um, maybe not necessarily as important as you might think, because there's tons of money to be made really in, in any niche. I talked with a woman that I met at a conference that was doing 20K a month um on a, a website she did about a specific type of plants i don't want to identify the plant <laughs> maybe it would be too narrow to you know yeah. she was some, some sort of plants that she was interested in she did it for fun and, and she's you know works i think like 15 hours a week on that site um and so i think that for me if i were to go back it would just be i spent so much time like fiddling around with the video game niche but I, the way i was targeting it was just you know i was trying to build a huge forum and, and get people to come that way but yeah um Essentially, it was just not as, as effective as, in my case, building out affiliate type sites that were targeting uh, buyer type keywords and people that were searching for something they're looking to buy soon. And so that's really the, the switch that helped for me. And so for today, I think I would say a similar thing is to focus on, you know, what can you do in a, in a, in a niche that is different or better than what the competitors are? I mean, I had one site I built out because i thought look at all these people are reviewing these products i can tell they're not actually reviewing anything and i thought well why don't i just actually you know review the things that they're actually you know it was you know that no one else is actually doing and so i hired a, uh, an employee to just say hey why don't you just this is like as like a his starting thing was like hey you work on the site i built up the initial part um and this will be like your training and if things can kind of go well then i hire on full-time and we'll keep working on other things and so that was one of the sites i did that went went well and, uh, yeah. So, anyways, I, I would say that the the niche is certainly important, but also just focusing on something you think you can have staying power in as well. Like I always, I said this to you before, but oftentimes I get to the point where maybe three to five years I'm exiting and selling. Uh, but the people that are doing exceptionally well, like multiple millions of dollars a year, are usually the people I've met and that continue working on something for a very consistent period of time for very long. Yeah, you know, and then you know they're, they're making huge, huge. I- uh,
0: Actually, <laughs> okay. So that's a good lesson for everyone listening, isn't it? And even like for me, and you sitting here, you know, just chatting as friends type thing. When, when you look back over ten years, that's a really cool observation. So there are plenty of us who get in and either build or buy and fix up websites, and we sell them off within five years, and we all think we're legends because we sell them for whatever. But Really, it's like Warren Buffett says, it's the long-term 10-year journey where, so that's where you're mainly seeing the seven and eight-figure deals, is it? In the guys that have held, or lots of women as well, sorry, people that have held these sites for a long time?
1: Yeah, yeah. In the content space, at least in the, you know, in the food blog yeah. space, um, yeah. it's predominantly been women that I've worked with, but I uh, have talked with some, some men in the area. But yeah, the, usually the much larger sales are people that are, have been working on their con- the content sites for longer periods of time. Um, I talked to one guy that I'd known for years that was looking to sell his site for $4 million. Um mm-hmm. Fortunately for him, he didn't end up selling it because then I caught up with him again years later and he was doing eight figures a year in it. And I was like, well, that's impressive. <laughs> so, okay. And was that off yeah, a content so, site, was it? Yeah, it was content for him. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, it's. It's just... It really is kind of crazy like the people i talk to and just hearing their stories and then you know i talk to huge funds that are buying content sites like i mentioned earlier it's just um i I like to the thing i like to tell people is that there really is like it's you have to work hard but there's basically piles of cash around on the ground you just got to figure out which one you want to start picking up and and putting in your pocket the longer you can kind of keep mining and working on that that area the bigger those checks can become for sure I've seen it on my own sites many times. (laughs) That's
0: right. So, you've had a, I I do want to reiterate, Chris, too, because obviously a very humble guy, but you've had a lot of success in buying and selling these websites. Is your strategy generally been buy them and fix them up, or have you, do you build them from scratch as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, I like to tell people if you don't have any money, like certainly when I started, I had no money at all. You know, I was just said I was working as a game tester making just above minimum wage at Microsoft. And so I was just, everything had to be created by me and i didn't have money to pay writers. So I would just do all the writing myself. Um, And I'm not that great of a writer, but I thought, you know, this is going to be good enough. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, I think that um, there's definitely something to be said for just starting. If you don't have any money, then you got to start from scratch. If you have money, then maybe you can afford buying. And then if you're kind of in between, then certainly once you start from scratch, then hire writers to help you out and do things like that. Um, But I've done it kind of every, every option. Yeah. I, i the most recent uh, site I bought was in the military space. I bought it, uh, improved it by like one very simple change. I just changed from AdSense to Google, uh, to AdThrive and that, you know, increased the earnings quite a bit. And I just kind of held it and then sold it a year later for, I think I made a couple hundred grand on that one. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. And do you, that's what I'd say.
0: Uh, for you in your portfolio, do you like to own a range of sites or when you do a site, do you just like to have one and focus on it?
1: Uh, so I've had both. I mean, I, I've primarily, I'd say I've primarily done the portfolio approach mm-hmm. um, and then I started selling off more of my content and just a lot of things last year um, and also kind of ended to the prior year because I was looking to find a way to just minimize the time I spend doing anything um and so that was kind of why i I sold i was i was kind of less in the asset accumulation mode more in like the lifestyle appreciation mode um but i do think that if i that's another thing is i think that if you could find one niche that you can focus on and just do that one site you're probably gonna have better results like everyone i've talked to and it's like almost a universal experience like i talked to everyone it's like when they have you know i had so many different businesses i would run at all the different times and maybe I'm just not good at doing multiple businesses as once. I don't think most people are. But those that focus on just one almost always do much better from from my personal experience. Maybe there's some survivorship bias because I'm only meeting the people at the conferences that that make it through that, that that gauntlet to be able to be there. But um yeah, I just yeah, I think if I've thought sometimes like, hey, if I just really wanted to, I'd maybe just sell everything off and just pick one and be like oh, I'm just gonna focus on this okay. until it's massive.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it's really good advice to is Think about longevity. If you've got the big multi-million dollar plan, just think, okay, what can I stick at for the next five or 10 years? What would I be happy to stick at and just, you know, make it work? That's really cool advice. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and I would I will say the portfolio approach is great though, too, because you definitely get a way to diversify. Yeah, I, I liked that in the beginning because when I didn't have many assets, I thought, okay, well, this is I want to make my, okay. my uh, income stream be diversified. And then once I started having more assets, I thought, okay, I want to try and like concentrate to be able to, that's the way I would do it now is I want to concentrate to be able to try and do like hit a bigger win type of thing.
0: You're the, the perfect person to ask this, Chris. Um, all our students, first big goal like yours and like mine was, and like all of us, when you first get online, you realize, Hey, I can replace my income here. I can make a good income. What are your thoughts for someone wanting to reach that first goal of the classic making 10 grand online, um, you know, a month that is. So, yeah. So what are your thoughts in this day and age, if you want to hit $10,000 a month online, um, your thoughts around that, what, what, would you do? What would you revise? Be? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd say after, you know, I don't know, if it's like 13 years, 14 years of doing this stuff full time. Um, I really kind of come back to just content. Like, I think that I would just start a content site uh, from scratch. I probably wouldn't buy because I'm mean, gonna I assume that I was in a similar situation financially where I just there's no way I could have yep. afforded to buy a site when I first started. Like, I had less than like kind That of, was like we put some of our 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 wedding on like my wife and I put some of our wedding on a credit card, yep. and I remember like slowly paying that off over the next four or five months after we got married from my. <laughs> You know, lower salary. So, uh, I would definitely say starting a content site within the space that you um, are interested in, and that you could see, you know, also some market opportunity to do something different than what's what's being done. Like for me, I was doing yeah. review sites and finding things that no one else is really reviewing in a specific way, and um, and also just how I, you know, how you can kind of service that content. But yeah, content is, I think, where the direction I would go. So,
0: okay, cool, and possibly like as you get more money or if you had a bit more money when you're starting out, I think you were saying, okay, if you don't have the big multi-million dollar deal, then doing a portfolio strategy works quite well in those first say five years.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, the, the approach I pretty much took was just okay. I have no money. So my options are basically limited to, I, I thought that I w- there was no way I could you know, start an e-commerce business. I thought, well, I don't even have any money to buy inventory. And I thought I might get too hard. So I did, I did content. And then only after I sold my first kind of content site that I think, okay, well, now I have some money. And then I started doing software because I'd always been interested in it and then went into e commerce for a little while, but got tired of e commerce quickly and then focused on making software for e commerce people um, and then kind of back and buying more content as well. So I think that the biggest thing is just if you can get to the point where you're able to, if this is your goal, of course, because some people just want to make some extra money and, and run a, a smaller business on the side, and others want to be able to replace their, their, their day job income, but I think that just getting to that place where you can is really the yep. the main kind of hurdle. And then after that, there's really a lot of opportunities to open up because you no longer have to do it while you're um, also working at a day job at the same time, yeah. which obviously eats up your hours in the day. So for me, I mean, when I first left, I was just like working on my. I was I was basically just spending more time playing video games, frankly, for the first few years <laughs> after I left because I was like, well, I can yeah I'm making more money and it's fine. And then only after I discovered we were having twins that I say, okay, I need to work a little bit harder here. I feel like I want to go to the next level. So, yeah.
0: And, and yeah, that, and I guess on that note too, like it's, it's, when you look back over the journey, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? We take it for granted what we do. We work, I'm presuming, you know, you work from home as well and you've got a family like us and like a lot of our listeners. So you've got two twins. Um, So is your wife happy? And I, you know, asking obvious questions, I know, but what is that lifestyle like for you now, like with the family and everything and, and young kids?
1: Yeah, no, I feel incredibly fortunate. My wife um, went to school uh, to get her degree in occupational therapy. Oh, yeah. And she started working down that path and uh, we were trying to have kids and we thought, you know what, this is just too much going on and things are going well with her business. Let's just, you take a break. Um, and then that break became, you know, she hasn't gone back to work since then. Um, but I would say that mm-hmm. she works harder now because she has to deal with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But um, yeah, it's definitely been nice to kind of help be able to provide in that, in that way. And and doing the online thing has made it great. Although I do joke with people that, you know, I've had so much freedom in terms of where I could live. And yet I just kind of live within, within five, 15 minutes where I grew up because of where all my family and and yeah. many of my friends are, so I just can't kind of stay that way. <laughs> well, it's a nice way to raise your kid.
0: it's a too. nice way to raise your kids, though, too, with with family yeah, around yeah. and everything. And so now in life, you're you're in this position, as you alluded to, you know, you, you you're basically becoming you're a broker out of passion. It's not like you have to do it. You're in a position in life where you can do whatever you want. And do you feel you've got a skill? Like, no matter what happens, you can always make money. Like, is that that's a a known few? Is that, is that a good feeling?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say that a lot of my personality is driven by sometimes driven by like, okay, what's the worst case scenario and trying to be paranoid and think about like, okay, how do I protect myself in this way? How do I, you know, develop skills to handle this? And so I think about that as I was working on different businesses, but uh, certainly, yeah, I mean, the brokering side is fun because, you know, it's like you work with someone, you help them at like a very critical part in their entrepreneurial journey. Get yeah. them a great deal and then you know yeah. you get a check from that and then you move on to the next person and you help help them and sometimes if you've been doing it long enough then you start getting you know friends of friends that have heard about you and, and kind of can get people that way as well and so yeah i mean it's it, i've been very fortunate and uh have enjoyed the, the whole journey i think that um, part of what i did join the baroque me as well is because i'd sold my last company and i, I just really wasn't sure like what i want to do because i've been doing so many things for so long, I was just kind of burned out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, I'll just do this because a friend of mine is a quiet light, uh, Brad uh, Wayland. He's also mm-hmm. done a ton in, in the content space, and so he kind of brought me on and told me, "Hey, let's you should you'll be do, you'll do good at this, and I think you'd like to do it." So yeah, that was about three years ago. So
0: awesome! It's been an awesome eye opener. But hey, Chris, thanks so much for sharing, giving us an insight into the journey of someone who's been buying and selling content sites for the last 10 years. And now obviously you do it professionally. So if people want to reach out to you, Chris, what, how did, what's the best way for them to get hold of you, particularly if they want to look at selling their content sites, I guess.
1: Yeah. They could just email me. Chris at quiet It's a great way to reach out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a very long time doing so many different businesses and it's been a lot of fun and uh, yeah, always happy to talk to people that are interested in selling and, anything else i can do happy to happy
0: to help well awesome chris i'm sure you've inspired helped inspired a bunch of people today thanks so much for sharing your story it's just unreal and um guys listening if you want to check out more inspirational stories make sure you have a look around our youtube channel and of course if you want to start training yourself in how to do a similar thing to what Chris has done. We have a free masterclass on how to buy and sell websites. Um, I highly recommend that you go and attend that masterclass and you can see the strategy of how we buy and sell websites, very similar to what Chris has talked about today. And it might put you on that similar path to what Chris has done. But thank you, Chris, for coming along today. That was just awesome. You've been listening to a Digital Investors podcast with Matt and Liz Rad from the eBusiness Institute. If you'd like more great content, interviews and inspiration, make sure you subscribe here in your podcast app or visit
1: digitalinvestors.com for more insights into the future of investing online.